We like to talk about freedom as Christians. We talk about being freed from the power of sin. But Galatians tells us we need to understand our freedom is not a license to do anything we want to do, to act in any way we want to act. We're freed from the power of evil, and we are freed to be part of the body of Christ. The language used in the translation I read from the New Revised Standard is freedom to become slaves through love. We are freed to love. The writer of Galatians, traditionally believed to be the Apostle Paul, used striking language. He dared to contrast the freedom we have as Christians with the idea of serving as slaves to one another. That's a problematic image for us today, given that we understand the evil institution of slavery and how damaging it is. But I suspect even in Paul's day, the people who were used to the idea of slavery stumbled mentally when they heard Paul refer to becoming slaves through love. Some translations have tried to pivot away from the image by speaking of service and servanthood, but I think Paul purposely used language that would have been a shock even for his day. He was willing to refer to Christ using the slavery image in Philippians when he spoke of how the incarnation was the equivalent of Christ assuming the role of slavery. The point of this language is to remind us that love is the, in the highest sense of the word can involve selflessness and even extreme sacrifice for one another. And if that was the only image we had for how love works out in the community, it would be a very problematic image. We're to love one another as Christ loved, but we're also to love others as we love ourselves. Serving one another is not about erasing appropriate boundaries. And we do encounter another image in this passage, which points us to a very positive way to serve others. But first, Galatians describes what will sabotage our service one to another. Gratification of the flesh is the phrase that's used, and we might misinterpret that to be about seeking the good in life that brings pleasure. But in this case, this idea of flesh refers to something much darker, much more destructive. The desires of the flesh is referring to sinfulness. Unless there be given any doubt about that, we are given a list of sins. And the way Paul constructed this list is masterful. He begins with sins, obvious ones that damage families, and with sins that have obvious connections to the pagan worship of the day. We might hear these first few sins and be thinking, well, we've avoided any of these failures in life. But then Paul throws in words like enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. 
Remember, he's giving us a list of things committed by members of the body of Christ with and towards each other. Which one of us hasn't been jealous or angry towards a brother or sister in the church? And show me the church that hasn't experienced quarrels and dissensions and factions. This is one of those lists, if we read it honestly, we will find ourselves on that list. We'll remember a moment when we committed one of those sins, and we might even realize we're caught right in the middle of one of those sins right now. This is a list that bears studying, bears understanding for how it all plays out. Discussing this passage with others is a good thing to do. It can reveal wonderful insights. Commentaries can be very helpful. A translation that is popular with many that is as much commentary as it is translation is The Message by Eugene Peterson. He attempted to render scripturally as faithfully as possible into language that connects with the everyday. And here's how he describes this gratification of the flesh, this list of sins. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. He wrote this before social media was a thing. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, a vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communities, And I love how Eugene wrapped up this list that he gave. I could go on. We do need to ask ourselves the question, where am I on this list, God? And how can you help me win this struggle that I'm having? And remember, this isn't just a question we're asking for our own sakes. We need to face these sins because, Galatians tells us, they damage the community of the church. They tear us as the body of Christ apart. And then the very next section of Scripture gives us some good news. It is a contrast to those sins, the evil pursuits, those damaging behaviors that destroy us and the church. By contrast, we are told, here's what the Spirit wants to produce in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit wants to take the energy we would expend on sins and turn them into fruit. 
Fruit is something that feeds and nourishes. Often we think of that in a very personal way. If I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, then I'm a better person. But remember, we're learning how to care for one another in love. And this image of fruit can teach us several things about what it means to serve one another in love. Because the fruit of the Spirit doesn't just feed us personally. It also feeds others. My fruit of the Spirit can nourish you, and your fruit can nourish me. Take the simple example of the fruit of joy. There is nothing quite so uplifting as being around a person who has a heart filled up with joy. Some have that fruit overflowing in their lives, and being with a person like that changes every single one of us for the better. And our presence, our presence is essential for this to work. We can't share our fruit with each other if we aren't here together. We come to church not just to get something. More importantly, we come to give something. We come not just to give of our talents or our service, as important as those are, but also we come to give to each other the fruit of the Spirit that is growing in our lives. The fruit growing in our lives certainly begin with God. We are part of a divine vine, we are told, that springs from the heart of the Trinity. From God flows that eternal fountain of living water that Christ promised. God is working to eradicate the sins that damage us and then instead produce this wonderful fruit that will feed our souls and feed the souls of our sisters and brothers in the community of faith. And we all have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. Hear that again. We all have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. Don't believe the lie that springs from the very pit of hell that you don't have fruit to offer the body. The Spirit is nurturing the fruit in every single one of us. And that fruit growing in our lives will vary from person to person. It springs from a divine source, but God is using the unique seeds from within our beings to grow the fruit of the Spirit. That's why you'll find one brother especially gifted with patience, a sister in the faith who has wonderful self-control, to another is given a special measure of gentleness. When we spend time in community, the gifts of each person, this fruit of each person, bless and help others. Being around a person of patience will make each one of us more patient. A loving person spreads that love through the whole community. The generous sister we encounter will help all of us to be more generous. The faithful brother inspires us in our commitment to Christ. We don't need to produce every single one of the fruits perfectly in our own lives because the body of Christ is an orchard. Each of us produces fruit in abundance for the sake of others. Christ very much wants to free us from these sins that divide and harm. But Christ 
wants to do something incredible with that freedom. And one of the most meaningful and powerful ways that Christ uses us to serve one another in love is by the sharing of this fruit that Jesus is growing in our lives. The Spirit is growing that fruit in each of our lives and using it to build up the bonds of love in the church. Sisters and brothers, we are freed to love and to give our fruit to each other. Amen.